But please give your attention to God's word in Psalm 33 as Dan comes and reads it for us now. Hear the word of the Lord. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his, works is, all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves the righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are certain psalms in the Psalter, which is the entire book of psalms it's called the psalter sometimes that are linked together nine and ten are linked to one and two is linked together by the law of the prophets nine and ten are linked together by their theme some psalms are linked together by their ideas and this is one such psalm psalm 33 is linked to psalm 32 we don't know who linked them together But Psalm 32 is about the personal aspect of salvation, God coming to you to forgive you of your sins. Psalm 33 is the impersonal God who created all of heaven and earth. Psalm 32 is about God the Redeemer. Psalm 33 is about God the Creator. Psalm 32 is deeply existential. Psalm 33 is deeply expositional. Psalm 32 is about how Christ comes to speak to the depths of your heart and your need for the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 33 paints for you, admits the confusion of life, the deep resonance of God's providence in all circumstances, that he cares for you through the highs and the lows, because he indeed is the one who rules over all the world in power. So as we look at Psalm 33 today, I want you to notice, first in verse 1, I want you to notice the language. It says, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Notice that that is the hook that links it back to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, remember from last week, some of you, says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all of you upright in heart. The first verse hooks those two together. We don't know who put those two together in the Psalter, nor do we even know who wrote Psalm 33. Augustine and the early church fathers 
thought that David wrote Psalm 33, but this is one of the few Psalms in the first book of Psalms, which is Psalms 1 to Psalms 41, where there's no inscription at the very beginning. So we don't know if it was written by David or who it was written by, but we know that it was written at a time of great national crisis because as Dan read down in verse 16, it says, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not saved by his great strength. The point of Psalm 33 is this. As Christians, we are called to wait and hope for the Lord. And here the psalmist gives us this beautiful declaration of all of God's power and might, which we're going to look at today, of all that is created in the world. And then he says, and you guess what? Guess what you get to do in light of how incredible God is in creating the stars, the hosts, breathing creation into being. Guess what you get to do? You get to wait. This verse is, uh, it's deeply personal to me because this, the, the, the end of this psalm, which is the application of the psalm, verses 20 through 22. Wait and hope for the Lord because he is our help and our shield and him our hearts rejoice because we trust in his holy name. May your steadfast love, your covenant chesed love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we hope in you. Those verses were the verses of our wedding. (laughs) And those are the verses that I inscribed inside Lauren's wedding ring when I gave her her engagement ring. Why? Because as great as a husband as she was getting, (laughs) as great as a wife as I was getting, and indeed have, we knew that our marriage was but an echo, an echo of the joy of knowing our Father intimately and seeing Him face to face. And your call and my call as a believer is to wait in between the already of your salvation and the not yet of its completion. Wendell Berry one time said that um, farmers across America are decreasing, not because of corporate takeover, although that was a big part of it, but because we have forgotten what it means to learn how to wait. Wait for rain, wait for crops. We have no room for that in our lives. Waiting, the Puritans used to say, is the lost art of the Christian life. It is the thing that we are called to do, and indeed every one of us are. Some of you, some of you are waiting for your son or your daughter to come back to faith. Some of you are waiting for your spouse to recognize how hard you're working to please them, and they just seem to always criticize you. Some of you are waiting for somebody to forgive you, or you're waiting to be able to have the strength to forgive someone else. No matter where you are, even I am waiting. I'm waiting in my struggle over sin that just seems to consistently dominate me. There are certain things that I've struggled with since I was a little boy. And I'll probably go to the grave struggling with those same things. But man, I'm fighting them. And I long for the day when I don't have to wait to have victory over those sins anymore. Listen, that's the good news of the gospel. That we wait in hope for the Lord. So, What are we to do when God calls us to wait? Hmm? This psalm explains it. If you have your sermon outline, please take it and open it before you. The first thing you do when you wait for the Lord is, number one, you rely on the counsel of God's word. That's verses four to nine. 
You rely on the counsel of God's word. Notice in verse 4, the psalmist says, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all of his work is done in faithfulness. That is to say that the Bible is truth in advertising. Listen, there are people all over the city who though people think Owasso is a Christian town, whatever that means, that don't really believe that the gospel is true. And here's how you know that. Because whenever they face a situation and God's word tells them to wait patiently or to obey his word or to trust him, they immediately take the controls and say, I don't want to trust God at his word. I can't see around the corner. I need to hang on to something that I can trust. And usually that means that it's their own sense of discernment. If, if, let's just assume that that's some of you, that you have a hard time with God's word, that, that there's a book that's written by over 40 authors over 1,600 years that tells one story about creation, fall, redemption, glory. Let's just admit that you don't buy it for just a second, okay? What do you buy? Well, I, I can determine what's right. I, I trust my... I, I, I am the one that determines what truth is. I am its arbiter. Okay. Which you? The 1980s you? The 1990s you? The you at the New Year's Eve party when the millennium happened? The, the you today? I mean, listen, you've changed a lot. I was flying back from Dallas this morning and we were going through some clouds um, between here in the Metroplex. And I remember thinking as I looked through these clouds, like these jokers who have the controls of this plane cannot see anything. They can't see anything out in front of them. But they're well-trained because what do they rely on? They rely completely on the instrumentation of that airplane. They trust that horizon is exactly where the instruments say that it is. They trust that they're going exactly where the compass says that they're going. Listen, some of you are in the clouds. Some of you are in the clouds of your career. You're frustrated. You, you just don't know where you're going. And while the Bible does not, it is not a book to detail every nook and cranny and decision of your life, that's not its intention. It is, nevertheless, a book that gives you the overarching story And what it tells you is that you have a father who is with you and who loves you. And you can trust him. And you are called to obey his word even when the clouds set in and you cannot see right in front of your face. Scientists um, love this psalm because it talks about creation and they love to talk about creation in psalm 33 listen it says by the word of the lord the heavens were made verse 6 and by the breath of his mouth all of their hosts he gathers up the waters as the sea in a heap and he puts the deep in storehouses this is saying that god's word which went forth in creation breathed forth everything that is in existence today you and i make things by taking existing matter and making something beautiful but god just spoke it and it came into being and scientists today have looked at the hubble telescope and they can see quasars that are 15 billion light years away and they see that these quasars are moving away from planet earth in the milky way at up to 100 million miles per hour 
Now, a light year is like six trillion miles. That's how far light can travel in one year. And here we have six, 15 billion light years away. And yet God breathed all that into existence. Light. And here we have scientists who are just discovering through, through the Hubble telescope and other things, the universe is ever expanding and it's massive, far bigger than they ever, ever dreamt or imagined it was. And it's moving away from us at speeds that almost are hard to fathom. And yet God holds all of that together, Hebrews 1.3 says, by the word of his power. Friends, listen. God's word is true even though every man be proved a liar. And God's word has come to us as an act of grace to say, friends, in the midst of the clouds, you can trust me at my word because I'm a good father who loves you, who has come to you to complete the work in Jesus Christ that you could not complete and allow you to have access to me by faith. We wait and hope for the Lord. How do you wait and hope for the Lord? You rely on the counsel, not of your word. You rely on the counsel of God's word. All right? Second, you rest in the comfort of God's providence. Notice what the psalm says down in verse 10. It says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. The providence of the Lord is one of the ways that the, the, the Father decrees things. He decrees things through the works of creation and providence, the shorter catechism tells us. What are the works of God's providence? They are God's most holy which means sometimes you can't understand them because they're holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing of everything he's made, all his creatures, and all their actions. There's a man who grew up in South Africa. His name is Martin Pistorius. When Martin was 12 years old, he, he um, got sick and he experienced this very degenerative neurological condition. They thought that it was some kind of um, um, uh, neurological disease. They didn't exactly know what, what it was. Maybe it was meningitis. But as a 12-year-old boy, Martin began to be able to move less and less physically until one day he went into a coma, a deep coma. They put Martin in the hospital, and the doctors determined that they don't know when Martin Pistorius would ever come out of this coma, so they sent him home to be with his family. And every single day, Martin Pistorius' father would take his son, 12 years old, a year before was running and kicking and playing soccer just like most of our children, and he would take him and he would roll him over every two hours of the night so that Martin wouldn't get bed sores. And he would pick him up in the morning and he would take him to therapy even though Martin was not responsive. He, could see, he had eyes were, that were opened, but he couldn't respond. He would take him to therapy and they would work with him every single day. No response nothing and martin says that somewhere around the age of 11 uh, 14 or 15 he woke up mentally he didn't wake up physically he was still in a body that couldn't move but martin says he could hear every single thing that was going on everything that his parents said about him thinking he was in a vegetative state he heard clearly but he couldn't respond with his mouth 
And every day for 10 years, Martin Pistorius lived the exact same way. Every two hours being rolled over, fully alive, couldn't move his body. Can you imagine? There's a drug called Curare that we used to learn about that does this. To, uh, <laughs> but this is no drug. This was God's allowance of a horrible situation in a young man's life to exist. And one day when he was 22 years old, he was put in front yet again for the umpteenth time the children's cartoon network where he sat at this home and he would watch these children's cartoons and you know what it was that called him out of his vegetative state barney he watched barney and it made him so mad that he got so frustrated watching this stinking cartoon show that he began to figure out the time of day by watching the shadows across the room and then he figured out that if he could figure out the time of day across the shadows of the room, maybe he could figure out a way to communicate with the outside world. And slowly but surely, Martin Pistorius was able, by looking at objects that were different from one another, to show people that he actually was alive inside of his body, even though he could not physically move. And he longed, now think of it, he longed for companionship. And Martin Pistorius said he knew that he was doomed. Martin says, The stark reality hit me that I was going to spend the rest of my life like this, totally alone. No matter what they take from me, he heard on the radio one day, Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. Martin heard heard Whitney Houston sing, no matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. And you know what Martin Pistorius thought? You'll want to bet. He longed, he longed for companionship. How do you explain that? I, you can't. Is there a reason or a point to that? I don't know. But just because you can't explain the circumstances in Martin's life or even of your own doesn't mean there's not a reason. And it doesn't mean that the Lord is not in control of everything that happens in your life. Every business deal gone bad. Every coulda, shoulda, woulda. He's with you. And the life and the experience of, that you are having right now, hearing my voice, is exactly where the Lord wants you to be. Can you rest in that? And can you just say to Jesus, thank you? Can you do what this psalm asks you to do? Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, because praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. A lyre, you know what a lyre is? A lyre was the instrument they said that Hermes invented because he took sheep guts and he stretched it over a tortoise shell and he plucked it and it made music. Make music with whatever instrument you have. Can you do that in the context of your life right now? I tell you the story of Martin Pistorius not because I'm trying to find an extreme example, although it indeed is one, but I'm trying to help you recognize that it could be worse, couldn't it? And your Savior loves you. And we can rest in the comfort of his promise. It says that the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. He's not missing you. He sees you. 
From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashioned the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. He loves you. Psalm 121 says, the Lord does not slumber or sleep. He never folds his hands to rest. And so some of you can rest. You can go to sleep and rest that Jesus is, he's a better commander of the universe than you are. And he holds out his arms to you in love. So when you're forced to wait, what are you to do? You are to rest in the counsel of his word and you are to rely on the comfort of his promise, to rest on the comfort of his providence, rather. To rest in his providence. Now, it says the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation and by its great might it can't rescue. Listen, Ultimately, your greatest problem is sin and death, out of which you cannot figure that out apart from the work of Jesus. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on all those who fear him. That is, that his face is turned towards you in love. To say that the eye of the Lord is on you means that the Lord has his face towards you. His back isn't towards you anymore. And if his face is towards you, his arms are out and open to you, saying, trust me, I love you. I know you're in that body and you cannot move. I see you. And then lastly, the psalmist totally changes from talking about things in the third person to talking about things in the second person plural. Our soul waits for the Lord because he is our help and our shield. You rely on the counsel of God's word. You rest in the comfort of his promise. And then when you're waiting, what do you do lastly? the last thing you do is you reunite with the community of God's people. The one thing that Martin Pistorius longed for was to be known by others, to be in a community, to have relationships. He longed to be loved. That's the one thing he couldn't have. But what's funny about my own heart is that whenever I'm in a state of depression or I I really feel like things are coming down on me, the first thing I do actually is not move toward you, I retreat from you. That's exactly the opposite of a man like Martin Pistorius. I don't know where he is in his faith journey. I have no idea if he trusts in Jesus. But as a human being, he longed for community. And yet oftentimes when you have a frowning providence in your life, the first thing you do is you move away from community. Friends, we, we need to be a church that has community groups that love each other enough for us to feel welcome to move toward each other, especially when the circumstances of our life seem to be full of clouds and darkness. That's what it means to be a family. To be able to welcome people in your community group and assume every person in that community group needs counseling because we all do, except maybe one of us, and I'm not that person. Because the Lord is there for those of us who are broken and he holds out his arms to us to say, wait in hope for me. William Cooper once wrote that God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and he rides upon the storm. So judge not the Lord by your feeble sense, but trust him in his grace. For behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. When you're forced to wait for the Lord, what are we called to do? Trust God at the counsel of his word. Rest in the comfort of his promise. Will you reunite with the company or the community of his people? Don't run from the community, run toward it. 
the thing you need the most in the diagnosis of our problem is each other. It's not independence. It is dependence upon your brothers and sisters and ultimately upon the Lord. When Martin Pistorius was 26, I told you he was able to determine different objects by using his eyes and his mother recognized when his therapist told his mother that Martin seems to be responding to certain stimuli and is able to pass tests where he can determine things by moving his eyes, his mother immediately quit her job and for two years she worked to teach Martin how to use a computer by moving his pupils back and forth. And after two years, Martin decided that he would go and graduate from high school, which he did by moving his pupils and solving complicated problems and learning how to speak through the digital voice of a computer. Then Martin Pistorius didn't just want to graduate from high school. He wanted to go to college, and so he did, and he started a company. And then he met a friend of his sister's named Joanna. And for some unbeknownst reason to Martin, Joanna began to enjoy talking to Martin. And Joanna said that she'd never met a man who was so fiercely honest about the human condition as Martin Pistorius who was so honest in his responses to her. And believe it or not, she fell in love with Martin. And he fell in love with her, and they got married. And Martin is in the process of learning how to drive a car. So here's a man in this incredibly frowning providence of his life, in a vegetative state, who is slowly through neurological mysteries coming out of this vegetative state, slowly but surely, and Martin has began to function again. It's, be- it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I pray that Martin knows Jesus. But listen, every single one of us are stuck in this vegetative state of sin and we are slowly coming out of it, learning who we are, learning to love, learning to be accepted. And yet we have to wait because although we are saved already, justified because of the work of Jesus, we're not yet fully glorified and it won't be until he comes again. And so friends, you are to wait together. It says we wait and hope for the Lord because he is our help and our shield. We wait in the Lord for a church building. You wait in the Lord for family reconciliation. You wait in the Lord for the struggle over your sin. But we wait together. And by joining churches, by joining a church, you are saying, listen, I'm bringing myself and all of my baggage and my struggles to the community to help me learn to wait faithfully for the day when the Lord completes what he has began to do in me, for he will complete it. We wait in, the hope, we wait in hope for the Lord because he is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice because we trust in his holy name. May your steadfast love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we hope in you. Can we wait together as a church? Can you use Psalm 33 to counsel each other, to trust God at his word, to rest in the comfort of his providence, even though you may not understand it, and to reunite with the company of his people? That's his call. And that indeed is a reason to shout for joy to the Lord. All you who are upright, because you've been made upright through the work of your Savior who loves you and who comes to you in hope. Let's pray together. Father, we are not good at waiting. Some of us hate it. 
And it seems like we need to wait less and less today because technology allows so many things to happen at the click of a button. But would you help us as believers in Owasso and in the region, help us to learn to wait for you, to place our hope in you, to know that your spirit goes forth through every season of our church plant, through every season of our family's maturity, through every season of our individual walks with you through our family through our career through our own spiritual journey with you you've called us to wait would you help us to wait faithfully would you help us to not be tricked to believing that once you become a christian everything becomes hunky-dory but help us to trust that the promise over us is that we are forgiven and redeemed and one day lord christ though we feel it now in part You will help us to feel it completely. And now, Lord Christ, the greatest blessing in the world, namely our relationship with you, our experience of that is but an echo of the intimacy and joy and delight we will feel with you for all eternity. So, Father, would you help us to become more like you, trusting you, waiting in hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.